Welcome back to Soul Back. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here. I am back with Ed. Ed, where is Tom? Tom, as usual, is off at Daddy Daycare. So he's doing his thing with his little one. So I hope Tom isn't getting thrown up on. But usually when he's on this podcast, I want to throw up anyway. So it'll be just like old times for our boy. Well, Ed, let me just say, and we'll talk about this more later, but after this whole Brian McKnight fiasco all over social media, I'm glad that Tom is still a good dad. Oh my gosh, play. We'll get to this later, but all <laughs> uh, oh, listen, every parent, every father that's listening to this podcast right now, you have your boy's ultimate and absolute respect because y'all be going through it with these kids, and we'll get to Brian later on. And there's two sides to every story, but man, these kids don't make it easy. Right. <laughs> Well, Ed, I want to start things off by talking about, because our boy Montrez Jones, shout outs to him. Um, yes. And, and, and before we even talk about this, uh, let's give out a weekly shout out here. Uh, we got a couple. Um, okay. I want to actually give a shout out. I'm just getting my YouTube loaded because I forgot this guy's name. I think it was like New Jack Swing, if because uh, he had some stuff to say about your list. Uh, but actually, Ed, let's go there because... You know, we, we posted your list and we talked about it last week. And uh, New Jack Swing 13 had a lot of questions for you. Uh, okay. His first uh, question with a was, name like where, that, I can imagine what his questions were about. Well, well, well. well uh, his first question was, where is John B? Um, and then <laughs> the second question was, what was the qualifier for solo artists who are on twice with their group, i.e. Johnny Gill? Yes. that's Now, see, that's a very good question. When it comes to solo artists who were on twice, because Cisco was almost on twice, I looked at the body of work as the group and the solo artists. I looked at their work as a solo artist separately. So that's why you had some repetition there. So I look when I weigh Johnny Gill, I weigh Johnny Gill solo career pre new edition after new edition current day. When I weigh new edition, it was all the guys together. So that's why we had separately. Cisco had, as you know, huge, huge, huge heights in 99-2000. But his, he just kind of peaked a little too soon. So that's why he didn't make the longevity end of the list. Who else did he mention? Um, He asked about John B, obviously. and then Yes, John he, B. And so he John was very B, upset. Yeah, go ahead. That, that John B was not there? Uh, I think that was one of his questions, but he was actually really upset about Guy not being there. Now, Guy was one who almost made it. Again, when I weighed this, I weighed not just... You have to, because I was doing it through 40 years. So you have to have some, in those genres, or those eras, so to speak, some sort of kind of like foothold or leverage as much as i am a fan of guy and i am aaron hall specifically they had a really good run when the competition was super hot and super tight for because for example miguel was on the list if miguel was around circa 92 93 he wouldn't have made it because he would it was just the playing field was too difficult so as great as guy is in a vacuum in their era I don't feel like that they were top 50 for that 40. Are they one of the best of the 90s? Easily. 
But when you factor in that long stretch, and especially for the heights of that era, great, but not top 50 great for me. And same goes with John B. Interesting there. And the last comment New Jack said was, uh, without Guy, there is no Black Street. And that's pretty impactful in itself, which is true. That, which is true, but we can't just judge by forefathers because all of us would admit that Black Street had a higher um, visibility when it comes to longevity, when it comes to mainstream appeal than Guy did. Mainstream appeal was a very big factor in a lot of people on the list. It's not just people that R&B fans in our R&B bubble enjoy ourselves because if that was it, the makeup of this list would be very different. Mainstream appeal and reach also played a big factor. And if you're talking about that, I feel like when you talk, even if you just want to stick with no dig, how incredibly huge that song still is today. That's one thing that kind of fueled them a little bit higher, raised their profile, and that's why they are a little bit higher on the list. Again, no beef to Guy. If it was like top 65, top 70, yep, they would have been there because they definitely were on the short list. Just didn't make 50. Ed, I hope you realize without Guy, Dave Hollister would not be visiting you at whatever video game store you would you were uh, working at, he would be working with you at that store. <laughs> shout out to my boy, and no shout out to you for that. But yes, Guy is one of the most, and they laid the groundwork. But as the saying goes, Guy ran so so many others could fly. So I will never take that away from him. But a lot of others went further than they did. And there you have it. And it was GameStop that you worked at? Well, it was it's GameStop now. It was called Babbage's back then. All right. My old heads remember uh, Babbage's. <laughs> and then my second shout out here goes to Keith Witcher. He commented on our YouTube channel, uh, specifically to our Claudette Ortiz interview that we did a few years back, and he wrote, "Nice interview with hot R&B singer Claudette Ortiz. I want to be Claudette's husband. LOL. I love Claudette's <laughs> body and hair. Me too, Keith. Me too." Me too, dog. He loves her hair. That's kind of creepy. But yes, me too, dog. Claudette is one of my all-time favorites. I remember when she was on R&B Divas, and I was like, yes, Lord. But uh, talk about another person whose career just never took off like I thought it was going to. Yeah, I thought she had all the stars or, or all the signs of uh, being a star, but just didn't work out for her. Um, Ed, I want to talk about some new music here. Uh, some parts of New Edition reunited for Johnny Gill's new song, Perfect. Johnny and Ralph, what did you think? Johnny and Ralph, um, this is a pretty good song. Shout out to my man, George Littlejohn, because he said this one is just tailor-made to go number one on Urban AC, and he's probably not wrong. He's rarely wrong, so I gotta got to roll with him on this one. This one, I feel like, is a hit in the making. The only weird thing is it's featuring Ralph, but Ralph sure don't do much on this song. Like, I barely noticed him. So, good to hear my boy. I'm a huge Johnny Gill stan, y'all know. But, wish we could add a little bit more Ralph on this one. Right. And I thought the song was cool. Um, our homegirl, Lachelle, made this comment. Kind oh, of God. true, but she said something along the lines of, uh, this song just sounds like every other song that's catered towards 50 and plus. <sighs> Why do we still True. give old Lachelle a microphone? No, I mean it's <laughs> what it is. Like this is this 
we you can't be mad at an artist for doing something to their core, but then if the, al- the artist starts doing trap, you're like, oh, why they aren't catering to their core? They need to make music for that their fans want to hear. They don't want to hear that. Then we do it and we penalize them for it. No, he made a Johnny Gill record. That's what it is. Let the man live. Right. Yeah, he is in his 50s, so it only makes sense that he's making records for the 50 and up. Um, Ed, a couple more projects to talk about here. Uh, Bridget Kelly dropped her new EP, uh, Great Escape. I listened to a little bit of it. It's it's quite different than what we're used to from Bridget. Well, but we'll talk I've about heard that one. I haven't right. heard the EP, but we've heard um, a couple singles leading up to this. I assume it would be in the same kind of trendy vein. And I think the last time we were on and we talked about her, I mentioned that I didn't really hate the the little turn up song she had. It wasn't what I want from her, but I didn't hate it. So I will give the EP a chance. And what everyone else should give a chance is Snow Allegra's new album. Ugh, those feels again. Ed, <laughs> you're telling me this album is good? I'm telling you this album is great. I'm not telling you this album is good, player. This is an artist. Okay, him. it's time to get on my soapbox. If you want to get mad at me, you know how to find me. E.T. Bowles on Twitter. Let me talk about R&B fans for a minute. Because sometimes y'all make my, um, make my underarms a little sweaty. So, here's the thing. We often get stuck and we want to celebrate the artists we came up with. You know, the the John B's, for example, or the guys or whomever. And I'm not picking on um, New Jack. I'm just picking those names because he mentioned them. But we, the ones that we celebrate as legends. And in the course of celebrating those legends and hoping they come back and hoping they turn back the clock and give us those classic sounds that they gave us before and blah, 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 blah. We are so quick to overlook the new artists who are out here doing the thing. Snow Allegra's album is fantastic. It's one of the better R&B albums of the year. I've only heard it once as of this recording, so I can't say it's the best, because you know I always listen to it a couple times before I really go out on them. But it's one of my favorites of the year in the realm of R&B easily. And we've had a couple of good albums in the past couple weeks. My girl, um, now Yoshioka, she dropped an album that is quite neo soulish. That's right. And again, this isn't a name that you hear out there because it's not blown up. But it's still an artist that if you love R&B, give it a chance. So, when these when we talk about these new artists on the podcast or on You Know I Got Soul or on Soul and Stereo and if we kind of co-sign them, play a gold listen and check it out because when we talk about that R&B is dead, oh, there's nothing for us out there. Oh, I got to go pull out my Jodeci CD from 95. You can if you want to, but there are lots of artists out here doing it if you open up and give them a chance. So Snow Allegra, go cop that album at the end of the year when I'm saying it's the best R&B album of the year or whatever. Don't be in my mentions talking about Harpo, who this? Never heard of this girl. Well, that's on you, so... Get caught up now before you get on the bandwagon. Right. Awesome that you mentioned uh, Now's album. Uh, privately, me and Tom refer to him at, uh, refer to her as Asian Nail. Is that fair? Oh, God. No, that's <laughs> not. It's a totally different sound. They just have the same name. But, um, yeah, I actually reviewed her album on Soul & Stereo. Go check that out. But that's another one of the better albums of the year. Very, if I can compare it to something... It's very 2000 soulish. It's not 
It's I wouldn't even compare it to '90s R&B, or I wouldn't even compare it to current R&B. But it reminds me of that Heather Headley type era, where it was 2002-2003 soul, where it definitely has the elements of pure soul, not any hip hop elements like that kind of sprinkled in. So if you enjoy that and miss that sound, I think it's an album that you will really enjoy. Nice. So let's get back on track here. Um, and before we, uh, and I, I keep missing this, but I really want to announce it now. Carrie Hilson, I spoke to their management recently, and they told me that she's going to be dropping new music in September. So it's finally coming. I know she promised that music would come in the summertime, but it was a month late. But Ed, has Carrie waited too long? I don't ever think that there's a too long, but what I'm worried about is are y'all going to give her a chance? Because, listen, I I know that a lot of listeners are huge Carrie fans, and, and you should be. She's very talented. I feel like some of her stuff, to me, was just okay. Carrie's one of those artists, I feel like I have the same opinions with BJ, the Chicago kid. I recognize the talent. There are definitely songs I like, but it's just something that's like keeping her from like hitting that next level. And I felt like she was on that way. And then her career kind of got derailed with the Beyonce beef and that weirdness. I'm not going to get into that because that's ridiculous. And then she just became one of those laughable memes that we laugh about. And aha, she's outside the club hating. Ah, ha, ha. But she's a talented artist. And again, if we want R&B to strive, why would we close our ears to somebody who could potentially be giving us some good music? We know she's a great performer. We know she's a solid singer. So I'll have my ears open, and I can only judge from there. Hopefully, as I said, she's taking this time off to step her game up. Maybe she can go from good to great to me. But Mm. I don't think it's too late, especially in this kind of place where we are with R&B, where we're having a lot of good albums, but we don't have a lot of mainstream stars. And she's an artist that I could definitely see making some ways mainstream. Right. Now, Ed, speaking of the Beyonce thing, and I want you to put in perspective what social media was like 10 years ago versus now. If that situation happened now as opposed to then, would it have impacted Carrie's career as much as it did then? It would have impacted it, but in a different way. Because when it went down then, you got to kind of turn back the clocks. 10 years in social media is a long time ago. In 2009 or so, the internet was a wild west. Everybody's just jokes and memes and annihilation. Now it's kind of like jokes and memes on one side. But then we've also got like the contrarian, and I don't necessarily mean that in a negative space this time, but I feel like we would see just as many defenders as we would antagonists. And it would turn into some big war. And I still think her music would be lost in the, in the chatter. But I don't think that it would be so much piling on and attacking as we saw. It would be more everybody attacking each other because that's what we do. But unfortunately, I still think her voice and her music would be lost in that kind of sea of chaos. So hopefully now everybody has become adults in the past 10 years and we can kind of chill out a little bit and hear what she has to say. Yeah, because now that I think about it, 10 years ago, Twitter was something. That's when the Stan Wars were at an all time high. Oh boy, if you weren't around for that, it was something else. But again, I just feel like now, not only do you have the stand wars, but then you have the people attacking the stands for having the stand wars. 
So it's like a different level of chaos. Yeah, because even um, on my Twitter, because I see some people that are like Nicki Minaj fans, and it's different now. I don't think they're necessarily attacking people anymore. They're more so just justifying Nicki's impact. And I'm like, same difference, I guess. But at least you're not attacking oh. anyone. Well, I'll correct that because they stay attacking me. So no, the the Nikki <laughs> the Nikki minions, those unwashed heathens, yes, they still are on their thing. We're talking about human beings, not whatever they are. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, Ed, let's flip the script here. We gave up we gave a shout out to Montres Jones earlier in the podcast and I completely forgot to mention this, but he wanted to ask, what is your favorite song off Mary J. Blige's fourth album, The Mary Album? That came out, I guess, 10 years ago now. And uh, before you even answer that, give us some backstory to this album as it really differs from the first three. Yeah, this was, for those who weren't around in 99, and Mary has spoken about this before, this album was a huge, huge risk. And she has talked before about how, honestly, her label told her, this album ain't going to work because let's look at her history. We've talked before, I think on the previous podcast, in fact, how she was the pioneer of R&B, hip hop, soul. She was one of the ones, along with Jodeci, who took the R&B sound and merged it with the hip hop sound at the time to find, to create a sound that kind of differentiated from kind of New Jack's kind of repetitiveness at the time. So she really rolled that and became the woman who not only had the classic soul background, but also had this new hip hop thing through her too. The Mary album though, turned the clock back and went straight back to soul. And for her to be the pioneer, to turn that back and go basically back to the roots of R&B, so to speak, go all the way back there, it was a huge risk. Her label didn't wanna do it. People were worried that it wasn't gonna work. I remember when All That I Can Say came out, and it was like, huh, this is a dope song, but this doesn't sound like a Mary J. Blige song. It was written by Lauryn Hill, and it honestly sounded more like a song that Lauryn Hill would do in 98 than Mary. So the reaction to the album coming out was very tepid, and I remember myself when I caught the album. I didn't love it at first, but it's one of those albums that as, I, as it took with me and sat with it and I gave it time, I really grew to love it. So it's become one of her better albums and most, one of her better received albums. But at the time, people were kind of like, huh, this ain't this ain't the Mary we know. And that's why I love artists who experiment. We get so mad. Shout out to your girl, Lachelle, when artists come out with stuff that sounds like something that we don't expect. But this is a time for an artist to be like, I'm going to try something new. And it worked. So good for her. Getting back to like my favorite song, though, it's really hard to say because there were so many songs that kind of blended together in a good way, not a bad way. But maybe Your Child, because that's the one I kind of quote the most. I just randomly say weird lyrics from that song as <laughs> my wife. She gets annoyed. Nice. And to answer Montrez's question, I think I like... Um... Deep inside, or the record with Jada Kiss. What is that called? Uh, sexy. Oh is it? yeah, the, the yeah. can't help it. Uh, um, that might be. Yeah, that could be. That's probably high on the list too. Now that was the one record that sounded like classic Mary. Everything else yeah. was much more soulful. Yeah, that album took me a while to really get into it too. It's not my favorite Mary album, but definitely appreciate it for what it is now. Right, and to this day, it's still kind of 
you know, you kind of get mixed reactions. No one says it's a bad album, but it's just not the album that a lot of Mary fans kind of gravitate toward because it sounds so different. But then there are some fans where this for sure is their favorite album. I remember when I ranked the albums that people were like, oh, you ranked that too low. That's the best Mary album. It's definitely one mm. of the best. I wouldn't say it's the best, but it has a great, great following. And it, I love that she took a chance with it. Right. Um, Ed, a fan wanted to ask, um, and this is moving away from the Mary album, but you know, we, we know Beyonce as, I guess, the leader and the most successful member of Destiny's Child, so we don't really have to talk about her, but in terms of the other members, did you like LaToya's discography more or Kelly Rowland's? And I know Kelly has more albums, but, you know, just for comparison reasons. Mmm, that's a great question. Huh. At the top of my head, I want to say LaToya. I'd have to right. go back and look. Kelly, here's the thing. Kelly has more prominent singles and probably has more individual tracks that I like. But when it comes to albums, Latoya is pretty consistent across the board where Kelly can be up and down. I really I really feel like we slept on Latoya's first album and the subsequent albums were pretty strong too. Kelly's album, she had one album, and see, I can't even think of the name of it that I really like. But most of the other ones were, oh, they were okay, hit or miss, here or there. You can say that Kelly might be a much more complete performer, but if we're talking discographies, I think I might go with Latoya by just an eyelash. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I mean, I know you like Latoya's debut. I actually really liked her sophomore album, Lady Love. That was like the one with Regret and mm -hmm. Love that. all those songs on it. Um, but Kelly, I think the album you're talking about is uh, Talk A Good Game, right? Yeah, that was it. That was the one that I Yeah, really that liked. was a good one. And then as I think about it, what else does she have? She has, what was her second album? The one with uh, the Eve song like this. Is that called Miss Kelly? Yes, that's Miss Kelly. That album, either I have it or my wife has it. Because I remember hearing yeah. that album a lot in that era. And I do yeah. like that song a lot. But I didn't really love the album per se. Of course, right. I remember her debut with that um, Nelly song that they drove into the freaking ground. Right. But it's just really... And she's also the other problem with Kelly. It's like her album out releases are so inconsistent because she'll like go with large gaps between them. So they kind of yeah. get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, and I was going to say, I remember when I got the album, the one that Motivation is on, uh, Here I Am, I think it's called. I was so Here disappointed am, yep. by that album. So... I didn't hate it. I just thought it was okay. And I did was, like... Well, I was going to say I like Motivation. There was a remix with the Brat that they played on the radio. And I had to track right. down the MP3 because I loved that version. So, uh, she's just kind of uh, with the albums for me. Not yeah, bad. Not here, bad at all. Just, just okay. Yeah, I think the problem with Here I Am is I had such high expectation after Motivation. And the rest of it was just okay to me. So... It was that was it. That's kind of the Kelly Rowland story. Just okay yeah. to me. Ed, would you consider Motivation to be one of the best songs of this decade? Well, that seems like a stretch, but it's funny you say that because right now your boy is working on a list of the best R and B records. I'm trying to decide if I'm doing hip hop too. Definitely doing R and B. Definitely doing a list of the 100 best R and B records of the decade. Keep an eye out for that. I don't want to get ahead of myself because 
We still got a few more months, but I am already working on it. And yes, motivation is on the list. There you go. Um, Ed, let's talk about here. Uh, before we bring in our special guest, which unfortunately you were not there for, so I'm going to give you your five minutes to talk about this. Well, hopefully mm-hmm. not five, but Earth, Wind, and Fire. We had Philip Bailey on the podcast, or we did an interview with him a couple of days ago. You couldn't make it, but tell the people what mm-hmm. Earth, Wind, and Fire mean to you. Man, first of all, I am so annoyed that I missed that. That old tricky job once again got in the way, but I feel like that Earth, Wind, and Fire, Philip specifically, is probably the most legendary artist that we've had on the podcast so far. So we want to talk about absolute real legends. We're talking about Hold up, Earth, Wind, hold and Fire. up, Ed. Hold oh, up. My are, you saying Mr. Oh. are you saying Mr. Dalvin is not the biggest legend on our podcast? I'm saying you're about to get up close and personal with these hands if you talk about Mr. Dalvin of all people. My God. I was surprised when I I will say this off topic when I was reviewing on and ranking all those Jodeci albums and I was like hey that Dalvin album wasn't too bad look at him he didn't just roll the weed and pick up the chicken he had, he had some things okay uh back to earth wind and fire <laughs> <laughs> yes back to earth wind and fire anyway when you want to talk about legendary and this is something and I tried to emphasize on the list that everybody was whining and crying about. The reason why they are legendary is because of their reach. Not only were they R&B, they took R&B to different levels because they were able to blend R&B, soul, funk, pop, disco. They had a little bit of jazz in there. They had a little bit of dance in there. They were able to take R&B infuse it with different genres. R&B does not have to sound like one thing to be R&B. It has to have that foundation for it to be R&B. But they were daring enough to take different genres, mesh it together, and create a sound that was all their own. That is why they have been able to endure all these decades. They are arguably the best live performers that the genre has ever seen. I know somebody's going to challenge me on it, but Sorry, it ain't whoever y'all going to say. I can't even think of anybody. But the point is, they were able to create a sound all their own. And it's something that we rarely see today. You see elements of it in a lot of, you know, you see it a little bit in a Bruno. You see it a little bit in a few other artists that are doing it. But no one has been able to take that blend of sounds that are still rooted in R&B and soul, but make it their own like Earth, Wind & Fire were able to do. So that's why their reach is so strong. That's why the singles that they have are so legendary. And that's why they're one of those records that you can, your mom or your grandma can throw on. And even today, you'll be like, oh, I really like that song, even though it came out 40 and 50 years ago, because it's a timeless classic sound and record. If you want to talk about classic, legend, or timelessness, those brothers defined it. And there you go. So, Ed, we're going to bring in Philip Bailey on the podcast. Like I said, you weren't able to join us on this one. So, no Earth, Wind, and Fire for you. You can actually go and listen to Omarion's cover of Reasons if you want. Uh, but um, <laughs> I would prefer to keep my food down. Sorry. No, all right. Well, we're going to bring in Philip Bailey on the podcast now. So, grab your popcorn and your soda. 
All right, welcome back to Soul Back. <clears throat> and like I said, every week we try to bring in someone special, someone who has brought Soul Back. And Tom, I'm really excited about this guest we have right here because, you know, we have great artists that come in here and then we have legends such as this man right here with his group Earth, Wind & Fire. Just recently put out a solo project, Mr. Philip Bailey. What's going on, Philip? Hey, how are you doing? Doing good. Good deal. Hey, Philip. You know, it's, it's, it's it's really exciting to you know have you here to talk about this new album you recently put out, Love Will Find a Way. You know, for those who haven't had a chance to check it out yet, uh, let let the listeners know what they can find on the album. Well, it's a project that took uh, about two years to do. Um, it has a lot of wonderful, uh, talented people on there. Uh, we started it out with uh, Chick Corea and and uh christian mcbride and then uh robert glasper joined the party um and it kind of spin out from there um with uh uh kamazi washington and uh christian scott and Bilal and casey benjamin even um will i am uh i pulled in to to do some some things um um, but it, it's a project that um, kind of alludes, alludes to, you know, the times that we've been um, experiencing over the last few years, you know, uh, and we chose songs that helped um, uh, the community uh, during the turbulent 60s. So we chose songs from Marvin Gaye and and Curtis Mayfield and Abby Lincoln. And um, then we wrote some, some uh, songs um, in the studio as well. Um, but yeah, there you go. There you have it. Love will find a way. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's been so long since you released a solo project. You know, here in 2019, you know, what, what gets you excited about creating music? What's your motivation for creating a project like this? Well, the motivation was basically, uh, we had something to say, uh, for one, uh, choosing these songs and knowing that we could read invent them uh in a way that would uh speak to uh to listeners today um was very exciting working with these people uh, these uh, guest stars that are on the record was uh, uh uh just a treat for me and uh of course you know just really uh having a chance to continue to do music at a high level um at this time in my life is uh, very exciting. Right. And Philip, I got to say, when we saw that Robert Glasper was involved in the project, you know, we love Robert, one of the most talented in the game right now. Uh, What is the requirement to work with someone like yourself? Because you've been through it all. You've made hits. Like what, what's the, what's the prerequisite to work with someone like you? Do they need to bring something to the table? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, of course, I I, I think that uh, for me, I, it's a for me, it's just a treat for me to work with these guys. And so, mm. you know, you know, after we get past the mutual admiration society, you know, we you know we just let the the music guide us, and uh, you know that we're there. To, we know what we're there for, you know, and uh, and uh, we just delve into the music and allow it to guide us where it's going where we're going to go. 
when you look at the release of an album like this, you know, you, you've released music through so many eras and so many generations of music. So how do you approach it with the way the landscape of music has changed so much? Well, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. It has changed so much. And, um, um, the, for instance, this project, um, was, uh, self-funded. Um, mm-hmm. it took, like I said, it took, uh, two years or more to do in between me, you know, touring and all that stuff with Earth, Wind and Fire. Um, with everyone's schedule, getting away from it, um, and listening, um, getting advice, um, cutting songs over, um, all those things that, that I, I, I've done before, you know, um, back uh, when we were making those those um, iconic Earth, Wind & Fire records and uh, the records of my career. Um, but this, that's something that actually record companies won't pay for you to do anymore. That's, that's one wow. thing that's different. Um, you, you actually, uh, have to do it yourself, you know, do it yourself if you want to do it that way, because, um, it's cost prohibitive. Um, so I wanted to do a, a project at, uh, on a high level and I wanted to be able to take my time and, uh, um, uh, really deliver a project that was conceptually um very in sync um and uh so you know it was happy that we was able to, we were able to do that we've been out doing some uh concerts at city wineries and we have some other dates in november um uh and so i'm excited about um, doing the stuff live with the band right now philip with your projects because you know, Earth, Wind and Fire, everyone loves Earth, Wind and Fire, and it has transcended generations. When it comes to putting out a new project, because I think for a lot of our favorites, you know, from the 90s, a lot of listeners only follow the stuff that they put out in the 90s. They might not be checking out what they're currently putting out. You know, how do you kind of approach it and, and get the fans on board with some of your newer music? Well, you know, I, you know, obviously when we play um, out, on the when we're on the road and we're doing shows, we give the audience exactly what they came to hear. You know, this music has become part of the soundtrack of so many people's lives, and so we, you know, we pretty much keep it to the hits in that ninety minutes that we're um, doing the music, um, and we have a lot of fun with that. Uh, at the same time, um, uh, the this uh, the solo project offered me gave me an opportunity to stretch out and to and to explore other other avenues and uh to do and to do things uh, because I have such an identifiable role in in earth wind and fire but that's not all that I do so it, it um uh, the solo project uh, has always offered me a a way to um uh have a certain amount of uh, a certain amount of autonomy and to um just push the envelope and do other things that perhaps um it would be uh, uh, different for for us to do in Earth, Wind, and Fire. But, but when you create an album like this one, like a solo project, do you feel some sense of responsibility to tie the sound back to the group sound, or do you feel totally free? Oh, I feel totally free. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and let me say, let me say to a certain extent, though, 
because because there's a, a legacy and a perception of who uh, you know uh, for all these years of what I of what we've done and what we've laid out. Um, that has become very sacred with our with our uh, audience and people who have come to know what we do. So when I say um, with within limits, I would say uh, obviously you know I wouldn't want to do anything that would bring some kind of you know uh, reproach or 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 bad light on uh, the legacy that we have you know um, and that we built for, you know, 50, almost 50 years now. Um, so I do have to um, make sure, I mean, not, it's not that I'm looking to do anything like that, but, um, you know, if someone were to suggest something that I felt, you know, would be not in keeping with, you know, who I who who I have been and presented my, ourselves to be for so many years, I would have to um, decline Mm. Makes sense. Yep. So, in the landscape of um, of music right now, it seems like a lot of people try to target the youth and, and try to get that audience. But Tom, you saw Earth, Wind, and Fire in concert a couple of years ago, and from what you told me, it was people of all ages that love the music. Yeah, Philip, I remember that night. Uh, I saw Earth, Wind, and Fire perform in Miami at the Jazz in the Gardens a few years ago, and I just remember. You know, people of all ages rocking out, you know, adults with their kids all enjoying it. And I, I thought it was a really special moment to see it close out that night. So, you know, what do you look at, um, you know, as you do these shows and you look at these audiences loving your music, how do you view all the admiration you get from, from people of all ages? Well, you know, that's one of the things that uh, is a benefit for the, in terms of the vision that Maurice had in, uh, for our, our uh, our band, uh, we our band has always wanted to um, to render a service, a positive service to humanity, and for that reason, you know, we've chosen uh, a certain lane to kind of move in, move and breathe in. And uh, fortunately, you know, the uh, different generations can come with their children and now grandchildren's children and enjoy Earth, Wind, and Fire's music. Uh, when you hear it on uh, different um, animated um, movies or whatever, uh, it's still uh, 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 the message in the music is still um, uh, very positive and it still is able to um, relate to um, many different generations, you know, several generations of music, of uh, of listeners. Right. Now, I got to say, and I hope you know this, but Reasons is like one of the greatest soul songs of all time. How do you view that song? <laughs> well, you know, uh, it, it, certainly, you know, that that song is one of our the, the uh, our band's favorite. Um, it's one of those songs that uh, the late Charles Stepney and myself and Maurice uh, penned and... Uh, you know, it was it's it's it, it, it's a little confusing because it's not uh, necessarily uh, promoting promiscuity. It's really talking about you know a one night stand. Mm. <laughs> Let me tell you, Philip. One thing I love about Earth, Wind, and Fire, 
and even your solo music is the live instrumentation, um, which unfortunately, you know, we love R&B, but it's become sort of a lost art in some of the younger generations. So how do you view some of the younger artists and, and even the children these days coming through, coming up and making music who have kind of abandoned the instrumentation? Well, I don't necessarily think that they've abandoned it because they never really had it. Um, mm. The music was taken out of the music out of the school system for for the most part, you know, for the last 40 years. Um, and so, you know, they have found ways to continue to, to stay creative, you know, by, you know, sampling and, and borrowing from musicians who are doing it. But, um, you know, for that reason, you know, their ears are not in tune to um, the same you know, uh, uh, plethora of 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 uh, orchestral sounds and changes and colors that you know ours uh, our ears had been uh, tuned to because we were you know it was in the school system and we 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 we, we learned about many different uh, families of music and different kinds of music and. And for that reason, you know, when that music showed up in pop, when that kind of, when those kinds of threads showed up in popular music, it was something that we could gravitate to, we could understand. Um, that's not the case now. You know, if you play a, a different change for, you know, people, you know, a lot of like younger or, or, or current listeners now, you know, they think that the song changed. Right. Mm -hmm. Fair point. Let, let me ask you, Philip. Um, you know, as part of Earth, Wind, and Fire, and even as a solo artist, you've had success in so many different decades and eras of music, and we've seen so many great artists come and go, release some great music, and then unfortunately they don't have the longevity. If you had to, to look back, what do you think the key is to the, your longevity as an artist and having success for such a long period of time? Well, you know, I, I really believe that um, it was uh, divine destiny for Earth, Wind, and Fire to come along at the time that it did. And, um, you know, the Earth, Wind, and Fire's music serves a, 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 it has a purpose in, in humanity. And I'm, and, and I'm not um, over-exaggerating that. Um, you know, it's very, it's very, uh, uh, very good to, to feel and to experience uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire concerts or people jamming to Earth, Wind, and Fire music um, because it's a, it's a music that, you know, really has, uh, it shines light. You know, it has a, it's, it's radiant in, in light and hope and positivity, you know, and that's something that I think, um, you know, the planet needs and uh, it's something that we're very proud I'm very thankful to be a you know pioneers uh, uh, of uh, in, in music and uh, champion that kind of music. Right now, Philip, with the music that Earth, Wind, and Fire created throughout the years, throughout your career, how much did you guys keep in mind? I guess the trends that were going on because you guys obviously had success in pretty much every decade and every five years music starts to change. You know, we had the disco era, the new Jack swing era. 
the hip hop and R&B era, like when you guys went through your creative process, was that in the mindset or did you guys just stick to what you guys wanted to do? Because I think that's an no, interesting thing. No, no, I don't think you can bury your head in the sand when you're, you know, doing music. And, um, you know, um, Boogie Wonderland and Let's Groove were our answer to the disco era, you know. And, of course, you know, when New Jack Swing came in and then all that kind of stuff, Earth, Wind & Fire was in a different place. And uh, we were, you know, we, we, we had a hiatus. Some say we broke up <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, and, um, we weathered the storm. Um, you know, we had, uh, several projects that came out, you know, that didn't do so well. Um, and then, you know, the, but our, our legacy music has stood the test of time and that we've been really fortunate to continue to be able to, uh, make music, uh, on, on a very high level. Uh, entertain um, uh, audiences all over the world for almost 50 years and continue to sell out. You know, it's, uh, not too many acts can uh, can say that. Right. Now, for those projects that may not have done as well as a group and even individually, how do you how did you keep yourself from being discouraged? Because you go from selling a lot of records and then next project might not sell as much that I think that would be discouraging to anybody. Right. Uh, Of course, but discouragement and rejection are as much a part of life as success. So it's, you know, you, it's how you deal with both. That's important. And looking back over the, you know, our, our whole legacy and, time with being out here doing what we do, you know, um, you've got to love what you do, I think, and you've got to be committed to continuing to find a way to um, go forward and and want to, um, that's the reason why this record, uh, Love Will Find a Way, is so gratifying for me, you know, after all these years uh, to have had to to now have a project that we that I believe in and that you know we've you know crafted and it you know entered the charts number one on the jazz charts and working with these type of people and 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 touring and making music you know at a at a very high level you know I think that's kind of like the other side of all the other rejection and the right. and the um that projects that didn't do so well and all that stuff. I think that there's, you know, some kind of way if you stay in there, uh, perhaps it balances out. Right. Now, Philip, I don't know how much you are in tune to what goes on in social media now, but, you know, the words legends and classic are thrown around a lot. And, of course, Earth, Wind & Fire, a bona fide legendary group, but... How do you view, you know, the words classic and legendary? Um, you know, I, like, for example, on social media, someone recently posted, like, the top 50 best hip-hop artists, the top 50 R&B artists, and, you know, that's subjective on its own. But in terms of your opinion on, like, classic and legendary, how do you view those things? Well, 
you know, you have to uh, describe something in some kind of way, you know. So, you know, we have to put labels on things, even though we, even though we don't want to in certain ways, that some kind, some way that pigeonholes different things. But you know what? I think that if you, um, if you're able to to stand the the test of, you know, of, of time, and you're 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 fortunate enough to be able to um, uh, do do music and be relevant, um, as we have been. Um, I think that you know, along with that comes a lot of responsibility um, to um, you know not only carry yourself in a certain way, you know, um, and to uh, 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 speak and act in a certain way, but I think it it, it also serves a, a reason to to give back, and uh, for that reason, you know, like my foundation, music is unity, uh, benefits. Uh, uh, foster youth who are aging out of the foster system, and a portion of our proceeds go toward helping young folks um, uh, navigate through life at a very difficult time, you know, for uh, in their in their in their experience. So you know, I think that you know you have to uh, find ways to uh, really, uh, as they say, play it forward. Uh, in 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 more than just music. And Philip, we're just about out of time, but glad you brought up your foundation because we certainly wanted to touch on that. Um, what so inspired you about this cause that you decided that music and unity um, be a cause that benefits foster youth? Well, you know, I have seven children and seven grandchildren, and I can't imagine a time when. Um, any of them would be uh just uh abandoned in a way where they did, couldn't they didn't have anyone or any place to reach out for a helping hand or for advice or for comfort or for love and um these the this segment of society you know these foster youth uh who were aging out of the foster care system find themselves in situations by no fault of their own um, and uh, so it's a, a very underserved uh, uh, charity and a very under um, publicized uh, situation for millions of uh, young people. And so we just want to shine more light on uh, their plight and do what we can. A portion, like I said, of our ticket sales goes toward Music is Unity, and then we fund different organizations who are helping and um doing the basic needs that people have um, at that age that uh, no one else is there to do. And you could go to musicisunity.org and find out what we're doing and how, you know, and how to get involved and so forth. Awesome. Right. Now, Philip, Earth, Wind & Fire is going to be the first R&B group to receive recognition at the Kennedy Center Honors event happening in December. Um, with, you know, receiving this award, what do you want the people to know about Earth, Wind & Fire or remember about, you know, the legacy of that group? Well, I believe that we're still creating the legacy. And uh, um, the um, Kennedy Honors is just part of that. 
uh, we're very honored, very humbled, and um, very happy and ecstatic uh, to to um, be receiving um, that prestigious award. It's going to be a fantastic uh, night for us and our families and our fans. And uh, hopefully, you know, it'll be inspiring to uh, other uh, musicians who are, you know, navigating through, you know, their careers right now. Awesome. And final thing for you before we say goodbye, we just would love if you could share a memory with us uh, from Maurice White. You know, I'm sure that our, our readers and listeners would love it if you could do so. Okay, well, you know, I mean, you know, we can't play a song or, you know, sing a, sing a song, play a song, or do any kind of uh, uh, performing, you know, without Maurice's DNA being all over it because he was the, 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 the architect, the conceptualizer, and the visionary uh, for the band. Um, very loving person, uh, um, uh, like I said, a, a visionary, and... Uh, one who who really uh, uh, tire, tireless worker. Um, uh, we, you know, we, you know, you had to be uh, very committed, you know, to um, to work with Maurice because because he was that way. Um, so you know, his DNA is still all over what we do, and uh, he's always with us and. And uh, we and we salute him in uh, keeping the legacy of uh, the 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 band, you know, intact. That's amazing. Thank you. And uh, you know, we're out of time, Philip. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to do this interview with us. We appreciate you, and we're we're happy to support everything you've got going on. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, maybe I'll see you down the line at one in one of the cities that you guys are in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll look forward to it. <laughs> And Ed, that was Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind, and Fire on the podcast. I am so sad you missed that one. I'm so mad that I am excluded from hanging around these legends just to get some of that Earth, Wind, and Fire dust on me. I would have been too hyped for that. But so great and so honored to have such a legendary pioneer on our podcast to be able to show us love, to continue to spread the good word and good name of R&B. People are still out here doing it, y'all. So we got to celebrate these legends while they're still here. Don't wait until they're in the ground and then talk about how they're the greatest thing ever. Celebrate them while we, they can still hear it because they deserve it. Absolutely. And Ed, uh, one of our YouTube readers, Big Tex, he wants us to bring on Link to the podcast. Didn't he write that LSG song? Yes, he did. Shout out to my homie because... See, that's a deep dive with my man, Link. I love it. Link, uh, he came out. I was in college, so this is 98, 99 or so, where Link had um, I Really Want to Sex Your Body and those joints. He was one of those artists that kind of came and went quickly. He did a lot of writing behind the scenes, but I feel like there was some gas in the tank for a solo career there. If we can dig up Link, I would love to have him. If nothing else, I could do a whatever happened to post on him over on Soul and Stereo. He deserves a little bit of love. I like Link. So we might have to bring him in on the podcast. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Sean Stockman is still missing in action. We're working on that, guys. So stay tuned. <laughs> mm. I, I'll, I'll behave, Tom. I mean, Kyle. See, I hear Tom on the back of my net, Tim, like, 
you know, he's the angel on my shoulder. Behave. Don't say anything crazy. Ed. So I'm chilling. We'll get boys and men one day. But until then, Ed, can we get into the player, please? Oh, yeah. Speaking of player, please. Yes, we can get into it. Well, I'm trying to figure out, do we want to do the soul back track of the day first or the player, please? Because it's the same person. <laughs> so it's like, do we want to celebrate him first or trash him? No, let's um, let's save the soul back track for last because we want to end on a good note. All right. Well, the player, please. And I didn't really have much prepared because my inbox has been taken over by this. Uh, as I oh, mentioned boy. earlier, Brian McKnight. Well, first of all, just to give you a little bit of backstory here, and I had no idea what was going on, but shout out to your cipher for keeping us informed. But Brian McKnight's daughter and son were pretty much throwing harsh words at Brian all over social media, calling him a deadbeat dad, saying he doesn't care about his family. And I was like, Ed, what is going on? This is Brian McKnight. This is Mr. Back at One. So from my understanding... <laughs> Mr. Back in One made a video on social media defending his case, and the play of please is not for Brian McKnight allegedly being a bad father because family, as you know, Ed, is tough in itself. But the play of please goes to the fact that he actually had to make a video to address the people. He doesn't need to do that, does he? Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start on this one, y'all. If y'all have not seen the video, check out, go to um, Facebook. Go to Soul and Stereo Cypher. Throw it in your little search bar. Our group will come up. Go up in there. Join the group. I'll add you. It's all good. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see a post from my homie, Derek Dunn. Shout out, Derek. Biggest um, new edition fan on the planet. And he posted the video response that Brian McKnight made to his children, who apparently, as you said, calling him a deadbeat dad and this, that, and the other. And poor Brian had to go out and spill all the family tea. I mean, from stuff about how the boy broke into his house and put like X's over the eyes of his new wife's like wedding picture. And it's, it's really difficult to listen to. And here's my issue with it. First of all, here's one thing. And this kind of, and I don't want to go in too deep into the, this is an RB podcast. I don't want to go too deep into the Jay-Z, Colin Kaepernick NFL situation. Because as you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you know about what's going on there. But I feel like we as a society have this weird high expectation for our celebrities, especially hip hop artists and R&B singers, to be like these paragons of virtue, to be these civil rights activists, to be these flawless human beings. Guess what, player? They put their draws on one leg at a time, and they just as screwed up as you are. Half the time, they out here for that check, and they out here living foul and messing up too, and sometimes they're living worse because they think they're bulletproof. Before this video, we have heard lots and lots and lots of allegations headed toward Mr. Brian McKnight and many, 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 many other soul singers. Unless your name is Yolanda Adams, I'm sure you got some dirt behind you. Actually, a friend of mine had a bad run-in with Yolanda, so even she on the bad list. So anyway, the point is, if you're a human being, you're flawed. So to be like, I am so shocked. I'm not shocked by anybody. Everybody's crazy to me. Going into what happened with poor Brian, I hate that we have gotten to this point where we have to respond to stuff. 
Because if your family is out here talking crazy on social media, if he's quiet, that makes it seem like he's complicit. It means it's saying like it's the truth. And they're telling the truth because he didn't respond. I don't think he needed to respond as deep as he did. Because boy, he was talking about the family and somebody sleeping with some other family member underage. It was a mess. But he he felt the need to clear the air. Unfortunately, that threw more dirt out there, but it did clarify some things. As much as we're talking about these are children, this this son he's talking about 30 years old. There ain't no kid. Please, he's older than you, Kyle. <laughs> you need to act better. So I just wish we lived in a society where we could handle our issues behind closed doors without this need to throw everything on social media just to get likes, just to get retweets, and just to get clout. If you got issues with your mom, your dad, or whoever, y'all talk that stuff out. Why are you going on Twitter? Why are you putting it on IG? I'ma see it. If it's funny, I'ma laugh. But I don't care. So no, keep it to yourself, y'all. This is rough. This is it's I have ugh, had my issues with Brian McKnight deal, dealing with other issues, but I really hate it that he had to come out and do what he had to do to clean up the mess, which actually made more mess, if you feel what I'm saying. Yeah, unfortunately that's the case. But Ed, we are an R&B podcast, so we're going to celebrate Brian McKnight like you said. Let's get into the soul back track of the day here. I guess we'll go with the song Anytime by Brian McKnight. Yes, glad you went with that one. That is by far my favorite Brian McKnight song. To this day, it's weird because I don't think it was an official single. But to me, at least my radio in Virginia at the time, they were playing that thing to death. But I remember someone telling me a few years back that it wasn't meant to be an official single. But... I love it. By far my favorite album um, song and maybe from his best album. So, yeah, shout out Brian McKnight, who is one of our best vocalists of all time. Um, so two comments there. Uh, someone on Twitter wrote, now playing Brian McKnight anytime. Do you think Brian McKnight still thinks about his children anytime? I'm like, stop. Oh my gosh, get off, log off, log off. So there was that. You were denied privileges for a week. (laughs) And then, uh, well, this was going to be my follow-up question to the remark you made where you didn't remember any time being an actual single. And if you remember, the single off that album, or the lead single, if I remember correctly, was the, the record with Mace. Yes, I didn't. I remember that, and I was not a fan of that record. I But I will say, I heard it... For some reason, I was, I don't think I ranked his albums. Somebody will correct me. I don't think I ranked his albums. But for some reason, the past few months, I had to revisit that album. And that's why I kind of like got re-familiarized with Anytime and a lot of these other songs. I did not like that May song in 98.99. But it actually aged okay. I kind of liked it today. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And Mace was all over the place back then. So I was kind of sick of hearing him mumbling. But and it was, it was found it actually okay today. It was bad boy everything, but uh, Brian McKnight did say in an interview with Tom actually that um, they had to put out that song, the Mace record, because he didn't like it either. But they had to put out that one in order to put out any time after. Politics as usual, player. Y'all wonder yeah. why? Why did why did my favorite artist do this trash song with the baby or whoever? Because that's what the label told him to do. Yeah, and uh, I think that was the reason why Anytime got airplay was because the the Mace record was so big and he was on MTV, they had to 
play the follow-up single, and that's how it blew up. Well, see, there was a little bit of strategy, and at the end of the day, it worked out, even though that May song is whack. See, see, there's always a, there is a happy ending. I hope there's a happy ending for the McKnight's, because yeesh, Thanksgiving <laughs> going to be rough around there. And the most realist line that comes from that Brian McKnight, is, McKnight and May song, the first rap cat with an R&B budget. <laughs> Just you wait, Mace. <laughs> because boy, is that budget in 2019? I was gonna say <laughs> you ain't gonna want that in 2019. This R&B cat's wanting that rap budget. Uh, <laughs> oh, 98! What a what a wonderful time to be alive. Yes, it was. Um, and that seems to be all we have this week on the podcast. But before, and I forgot about this, Ed. Can we give a shout out to Boom Boom Caesar? Oh, always shout out my boy. Uh, so it appears he unfollowed us on Twitter. I'm not sure why. He did? What did you do to the player? I gotta check I this he, out. I think he got sick of our Sierra slandering. And I don't blame him. Oh my so. gosh. <laughs> So shout, shout out to, you, to my man if he's listening. Unless he blocked me too. Maybe he did, but I don't know. I I thought we were still cool, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, we'll I'll check after I get off. We'll add him to the list of people that have blocked us. Keisha Cole, <laughs> Janae Eichel, and now Boom Boom Caesar. Do we know why Janae did it? Do, well, do we even know why Keisha did it? No. <laughs> but oh my gosh. These on a positive note, Pleasure P unblocked us, so that was good. All it took us was to interview him and hype him up, and then there you go. Yay. That's the key. Uh, Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Oh, my gosh. Well, not only am I going to try to figure out who blocked me this week, but we got a couple new reviews. I think I... No, I think um last week we talked about it, but I'll talk about it again just in case. Got a new review of Rick Ross's new album, Port of Miami 2. And as I mentioned not long ago, earlier in the podcast... Now Yoshioka's new album, Undeniable, came out just a few days ago. I've got a complete review on soulandstereo.com. Go check that one out. And I think in the coming days we'll have even more reviews. There's been some hot and heavy releases this summer, so keep an eye out for reviews of your latest. So see me yelling stuff in word form on Soul and Stereo. <laughs> nice. And Ed, over here, I'm just going to continue to uh, observe... And figure out what the hell is going on in this Twista social media video where he has like a deaf uh, interpreter trying to like do all these hand signs to translate what Twista is spitting. Did you see that video? Oh, I saw that video and I made sure to tag a friend of mine who actually knows how to sign. Because if you remember, there was a political (laughs) operative. Well, I don't say political operative. There was a candidate not too long ago who had a signed person on their stage and they were it was found out that they were making up signs. The person was just <laughs> doing hand stuff. And they were like, oh, this person is so great that these candidates and these politicians have these people catering to our um, hearing impaired community. No, player, that person was up there throwing up hand signs like Naruto when he's doing a little the fire joint. <laughs> so I want to know if this woman is really... T- d- actually saying what Twista is saying or she just throwing up hand joints like the game in a West Coast video. We're going to see if it's throwing up sets so we saying words. We'll see if everyone can enjoy Overnight Celebrity or if it was all a lie. 
Anyways, Ed, I think that's it for this week's podcast. Shoutouts to my man, Philip Bailey, for joining us. We're still on the hunt for the likes of Sean Stockman and Nivea. Hopefully we'll get them. But if we don't, Ed, we'll find another special guest. Maybe Link next week. Well, if we don't, maybe I'll have a special um, behind-the-scenes podcast. Ed tells all about the mysterious podcast guests. That'll probably be my last episode. (laughs) That will. You'll be banned from the industry. But, Ed, until then, (laughs) I guess we'll we'll, we'll try to find Tom, and we'll get this back and running next week. All right, players. We out. All right, peace.